This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free the chains me out Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Great to have you along. Thanks for joining us. And... Uh, before I get into what we're going to talk about today, just a couple of announcements on what we offer at Blazing Grace. We help people, men and women, break free from the bondage of pornography and sex addiction and adultery, and we offer counseling. We offer counseling in our office in Chandler, Arizona, and we also do a lot of phone counseling all over the U.S. and actually all over other countries, too. Right now we're doing counseling with people in South America and Europe, and we've done it in other countries. So no matter where you are, uh, the phone is a great way to connect and communicate. And we so we offer hourly counseling. I also do two-day intensives out of the office in Chandler. Tim Peterson, who runs our men's courses, he is also he's a counselor and he's a pastor. And he does counseling out of his home office in Arkansas, in addition to phone counseling. And we have our eight-week men's course, which is a course for men who we pair you up with another guy. Usually there's around four men who participate in each group, and you, you work through the assignments. There's four to five assignments each week, and you're calling another brother once a day for the purpose of accountability and prayer and to root out isolation. And the guys who do that and make it all the way through all 60 days, they, they just see their lives change. And just making the daily calls and the prayer alone is a game changer. And then the assignments help you go deeper. And we have the same for wives. Um, I have a big heart for the wives. They often get left out of this whole deal. And so we have a 10-week wives course. I just came out with my new book, Restoring the Wife's Heart, Taking Up the Mantle of J.L. So that book is has the assignments for the course. And then Sandy England, who leads our wives' ministry, she leads the, the groups for the ladies. And same thing as with the men. You're paired up with another woman, and you're talking to her through the week. And so you're getting support and prayer through the whole process. And then you, the group meets by a phone conference call once a week. I think they're starting to do some Zoom calls too. And then we also have a Zoom prayer call because if my people will call by my name, well, what? Seek my heart, seek seek my face and pray and, and turn from their wicked ways and I will heal their land. So Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock U.S. No, no, 7 o'clock, I'm sorry, U.S. Pacific time, we have a prayer call it's actually a Zoom meeting where people literally from all over the world, from the U.S. and Europe, England, 
are calling in. We've had them call in from Africa just to spend time praying. Most of the time is spent in prayer and praying praying for each other and praying for their countries. And prayer is the game changer. Prayer is the great, it's the most powerful weapon we give. And I'm a huge believer in prayer. So you ought to join us for these prayer calls. And woman said she, one woman said in tears that she loved it and thanked us for it and said um, she's been starved for this kind of community and prayer bonds people together. I love leading prayer groups, and I love being a part of prayer groups. I mean, that that's where the power is, and that's where I've seen God's presence descend if people are in the right frame of mind. So join us. There's there's no cost for those prayer groups. <clears throat> so what I'm going to get into today <laughs> is a little different, sort of. We moved here last summer summer of 2020 and right in the middle of one of the hottest summer <laughs> summers in record and i remember unloading a truck in 105 170 heavens 177 degree weather and and wow that was an experience and and then we started looking for a church and we we found one that we liked um or, or at least wanted to, to try and we stuck with it for a while, and but then recently, um, the pastor has been asking the congregation to watch the chosen during the week, and then he's basing his sermons from that a study on the apostles. But he's he's asking people basically to watch TV during the week. And I just can't do that. Um, watching TV or watching anything, we have more than that when we need. We need people off their phones and off TVs and off Netflix. And I don't care if it's a Bible show or not. We need people on their knees in prayer. We need we need them reading God's word. But um, I just I can't um, accept the idea of a church encouraging its people to watch a TV show, even if it's about the Gospels, because that's not where the power is. And and then you look at Acts 2.42, what does it say? Uh, the early church was devoted to fellowship, prayer, and the apostles' teaching, and that's it. And they changed the world, and so I, I can't support, or I don't believe in encouraging people to watch media. Uh, maybe on a one-off because there's something that you know that God wants them to be impacted by. But you know, if I'm leading a church, which I've done before, on a short-term basis, I want people on their knees, and I'll I'll be encouraging them to spend an hour a day in prayer. I'll be encouraging them to watch you know a 45-minute TV show. So recently, we started looking around for another church, and. We we tried another, and that was the atmosphere was very light, and it came off like a social club, and and um, there wasn't a sense of reverence in the place. It was kind of like a meeting of people to kind of have some fun, and then as we're walking out, the senior pastor greets us and says, oh, I hope you had some fun today. And I I was kind of speechless 
Because when I go into God's presence, I'm not thinking about fun. I'm thinking about I'm, I'm entering into the throne room of heaven where the holy king of kings is. And so that one was a one-off. And we tried another church uh, after that. And pastor had a great message. Um, this is typical. They started off with um, the worship band ripping off some songs. And, and then at the end, they, they, uh, they played a secular song and as we're walking out, and I'm just thinking, whatever happened to reverence, <laughs> reverence and awe. And I'm going to read from read, read read Hebrews 12, starting at verse 25 for you. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And when I come into God's presence and when I'm alone, I'm aware of the fact of who I'm coming to. I'm thinking about the incredible being that can create a son. I'm thinking about the one who said, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're also told to even fear God because he has the power to cast into hell. That doesn't mean that I'm sitting there in terror. I mean, that's unrighteous fear that can lead to a hardened heart. That's not what I'm saying. But but we lost uh, the fear of the Lord in our churches, and I was talking to my wife about it, and she looks at me and she goes, well, have you ever been to a church that where there was a sense of reverence and awe? And actually, yeah, I have. I led a conference recently, and they invited me to give their Sunday morning message, and I was shocked when somebody, before I spoke, somebody got up and got on their knees and prayed to God. I mean, that's that's called, that's reverence and awe. That's realizing who we are, and that's true worship from the heart. And I want to walk through this with you a little bit. So I want you to think about this. What happens when we go into most churches is they begin with a rousing song uh, to get everybody, to wake everybody up, basically, right? And I want you to think about this. When I'm alone with God in the morning at 5.30 in the morning, I'm starting to pray to him. I don't need anything to wake me up. I want to go after God and I want to get to know him. So there's a message there it's very subtle that people aren't thinking about that says that Christians are shallow and superficial and we need to do something to manipulate them to get them into a state where they can worship in spirit and truth from the core of their being. And if that's true, then something is really off with our relationship with the Lord. And I did a church plant in Colorado Springs a couple years ago And we modeled it after Acts 2.42. So they devoted to prayer, 
fellowship in the Word. So what I would do is I begin our services with a message from God's Word that would go 20 to 30 minutes long. And then, devoted to fellowship, I'd break every up, everybody up 20, 25 minutes. I'd have everybody sharing. What are you going through this week? What are you struggling with? And I would first set the tone on what a safe church is. We listen. We don't judge. We don't jump on any other's case. We're all in the same boat here. You, you do not go into lecture mode or preaching or quoting verses at them. You listen. And then we pray for each other in our small groups. So I break them up into groups of two or three. They would share what they, how their week was. They pray for each other. And, and then at the end, all of us would come together for corporate prayer as a body. And the very first meeting we had, we I think we had 17 or 18 people in the room. And I, so we had the time together. I broke everybody up, and then we all came together. <laughs> and what shocked me was that nobody prayed. And these are believers in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who have been in church for decades, and they're not praying and so I waited for a few moments, maybe even a few minutes, and finally I started praying, and maybe one person prayed, and then we closed it. But I, I was just shocked. It's like our we've been conditioned that all we do is we sit and listen to the service. And I'll never forget what one, one woman said. She said, well, I need, I need the worship band to get, get warmed up for the message. Think about that. What you're really saying is I need a shot of caffeine or I need something to wake me up because my relationship with God isn't all-encompassing or enough for me to go to church without some kind of stimulant. And I've studied it a little bit, and did you know that loud music acts as a stimulant to your nervous system? So I'll illustrate it with a story. Around 2015, I went to a Christian conference and they, some of these Christian conferences, they want to have, you know, some big, well-known groups and speakers there, you know, to get people in their doors. So they had, for King and Country, come in. It was late in the afternoon, and they had, for King and Country, I don't remember, play a four or five song set. And, you know, they were jamming, and they were really loud. And, I mean, I liked it. I, I enjoyed the music. But then Kyle Eidelman was right after them. And he's the pastor who wrote that book, Not a Fan. So it's very intense with, you know, not being a fan of Jesus, making Jesus your all. And But what happened was my, my nervous system was so shot and so overwhelmed that I just couldn't calm down. And the whole effect was ruined from, you know, what was basically a rock concert with Christian words. And that's what we're doing in our churches is we're telling people we need to get you amped up and going because, hey, we don't want to do like a prayer meeting or something. We might have to get you stimulated for that, right? And what we've done is we've hooked people on noise. There's all, If you notice, there's always noise going on at church. Um, we've all, Usually we always have noise in our lives, right? Even when our car, in our car, what are we doing? Are we driving, blasting our music or you know, a talk show or something? Or are we content? Are we able just to listen in silence? 
So we become addicted to loud noise, but if you look at what Acts 2.42 says, if you look through all the early church, the things they did were done in silence and in community, and there was no rock band blasting their walls. You weren't walking into a church and them handing you earplugs because the sound was going to be so loud it might blow out somebody's eardrums, and I've seen this. So I'm going to read you some scripture from Acts 1 to 12, Acts, the book of Acts. I just want you to take in and think about the setting these people are in and what they're doing. So Acts 1.12, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That was the first early church church meeting. It was just prayer. That's it. Pure silence except for hearing voices of people crying out to God. And from that first prayer meeting, they were anointed with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So that that's all they were doing. I think it was, I don't remember how long, it wasn't much longer later, weeks, maybe six weeks. I, I don't remember offhand, but that church was powerful because all they did was they met for prayer and it sustained them through the whole time. And Acts 3, one. now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Our prayer. That means there's a set time that they meet for prayer. Acts 12, 12. When Peter realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Another prayer meeting. Acts 16, 16 to 18. And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Again, place of prayer. Tell me, what do you think would happen if your pastor came to you this Sunday and said, we're just going to spend the entire service in prayer just like the early church did? Which means a lot of silence (laughs) and a lot of waiting on God. So you're not going to have, you wouldn't have your, your rock band, your worship band fix. Would you be comfortable or would you be squirming in your chair? The other question you have to ask yourself is what is biblical? Just because something is American doesn't mean it's biblical. So the early church was devoted to prayer, fellowship, and teaching. Most of our Sunday services, you have a worship band and you have teaching, and everybody goes home. So there's no community, there's no connection. And certainly in most of our churches, there's very little to no prayer. Uh, when I'm talking about prayer, I'm not talking about God bless our service. I'm talking about spending extended time on your knees, 20 to 25 minutes, and at least, and you're on your knees crying out to God, asking for mercy, and asking for his presence, and asking him to work in our governments and schools and businesses and churches. We're inviting them back into the church. Prayer has been, I'm, I'm almost going to use the words, kicked out a lot of churches. I mean, a lot of churches don't have much in the way of prayer meetings left. 
And what they have, from what I've been hearing, they're very poorly attended. Recently, I gave an early morning message, Sunday morning message at a church. And I'm not a big believer in just teaching and not doing, because James 1 says, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So usually what I do when I give the Sunday morning message is I'll go to the pastor and say, hey, can I break everybody up so we can spend time in prayer? So the pastor agreed, and then after I gave the message, I said, all right, we're going to take 15 minutes now, which to me is nothing, and we're going to spend that time in prayer, pray for each other. I broke them up into small groups of four or five, pray for each other, pray for the country, pray for spiritual awakening. And so as we're doing that, I'm praying with my group, and then later I, I go and talk to the senior pastor, and he tells me that he was watching his flock, and he said that after five minutes, most of his congregation just stopped praying and they were chatting. So this goes back to what I'm saying in our performance-driven churches. We have conditioned people. We have not trained and equipped people on how to be prayer warriors. We have not trained them for corporate prayer. We have not shown them what an effective prayer looks like. And the way you learn to pray is you pray. You don't just teach a sermon about it. (laughs) You get people on their knees. And if you study spiritual awakenings and revivals from the past, they're all sparked by fervent prayer. And what I mean by that is if you look at it, what those what some people were doing is they were praying all night, like from 9 p.m. all the way into 2, 3 in the morning, fervent, intense prayer. That, that's usually what breaks open. That was That's what breaks open a spiritual revival and a spiritual awakening. So you have to ask yourself, do you really want a spiritual revival or you just want somebody else to do the heavy lifting? Do you want a revival bad enough that you're going to pray until... Th- three in the morning or go away alone with God for one or two days somewhere and just spend the whole time praying and resting and and going after him? How bad do you want revival and for him to grab your country? And the people who want it are the people who are on their knees, not just preaching the sermons. We have more knowledge than good sense right now. You can go to YouTube and watch any pastor you want and find out anything you want on any, any book or verse or subject. We need more action and people doing the Word, and we need that in our Sunday services. So when I heard, when that, and the pastor was looking at me when he's telling me that people stop praying after five minutes, like, um, what <laughs> this is not good. And so this is why when I travel, I'll have people on their knees, and I'll have people, well, I shouldn't say on their knees because they don't always do that, but I'll have people praying, and I'll break them up sometimes into small groups like we did at our small church startup, and I'll have them praying for each other and sharing their stories, and that's the way church from Scripture is meant to look. Not one man up on a stage giving a, a sermon, and then everybody goes home. There were no stages in the early church. Do you realize that? All their meetings were together in groups, and they were talking and sharing and, and later eating and fellowshipping together. And every once in a while somebody says, yeah, we need to get back to the early church. Well, what are you waiting for? And it doesn't matter. I've, I've broken people up in a 
church service of 700 and I broke them up into churches, church services of 40. It doesn't matter the size. That's just an excuse. If your church is big enough, all you got to do is spread them out. So I want to challenge you, all of you, to make your homes houses of prayer, to make your churches houses of prayer. That's what brings down revival. That's and especially broken, crying out prayer. And the other thing that happens in spiritual revivals is people get almost a terror of eternity. And those who aren't saved, people get broken over their sins and they're crying and they're crying out to God for mercy when he gets a hold of them. And so we've, we've lost the fear of the Lord in our churches. We need that back so badly. Where is the passion and where is the fire? Well, that it comes from prayer. It comes with a deep prayer life. And so I want to challenge all of you today to start spending more time in prayer individually and in church and in your Sunday meetings. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.